Halloween is the one night of the year where being scared is supposed to be good fun. However, amid all the harmless activities like trick-or-treating, sometimes genuinely frightening and disturbing things can happen. This includes some horrific murders and unexplained disappearances which are far more terrifying than any haunted houses or corn mazes. These are 8 unsolved mysteries and disappearances that happened on Halloween. In 2015, 24-year-old Michael Miller and his friends were hosting a Halloween party in the house that they rented together on Halloween night. Michael says they invited around 40 people and told their friends to bring friends, and the crowd that came was actually around 40 people. At Halloween parties, typically people's costumes don't cover their faces unless part of the costume involves a mask or a face covering. But even when a costume will include a mask, usually at least at some point at a party it would be expected for the wearer to take it off just to let their face breathe for a little bit. That's why Michael and his housemates were suspicious when there was one guy in basically regular clothes but who was wearing a gruesome looking Halloween mask referred to as an Elephant Man mask. He was sitting in a chair just seemingly doing nothing, making some of the guests confused and uncomfortable. Nobody knew who it was, so Michael eventually went up to the guy and asked who it was, to which the man replied Billy in a deep voice. Michael said he didn't know any Billy, and asked him to remove his mask for a second. The man refused, so Michael asked the man to leave, and he did. At this same party, two girls fell unconscious, likely to being slipped Rufalin, and that man was suspected to be the culprit. Even more, that same Saturday night, two neighboring houses were broken into and robbed. That masked man was never identified, and while it's not 100% certain that he was responsible for slipping something in anybody's drinks or for the nearby break-ins, it would be a fairly safe assumption. Cindy Song was a 21-year-old South Korean student attending Penn State University. In 2001, she dressed up in a bunny costume and attended a Halloween party at a nightclub near the college. She stayed at the club until around 2 a.m., then left for her friend's apartment where she spent the next few hours hanging out with her friends. She was then dropped off at her apartment at 4 a.m., and this was the last anybody ever saw of her. After Cindy was reported missing, a search of her apartment yielded no signs of a struggle or foul play. Police knew she had made it inside because her fake eyelashes and the backpack that she'd worn to the party were found inside the apartment, as well as her cell phone. The only things missing were her purse and wallet, suggesting that she'd possibly went out again. Her credit card showed no activity after her disappearance, and neither the authorities nor her family believed that she vanished willingly. However, after her disappearance, a witness reported seeing a man resembling Cindy in the Chinatown district of Philadelphia. She was inside a vehicle with an unidentified male and appeared to be crying for help. In 2003, a man named Hugo Marcus Selinski was arrested after the remains of five people were found buried in his backyard. Selinski told police that he and another man, Michael Kurkowski Jr., abducted Cindy off the street and kept her imprisoned in his walk-in safe until she perished and then buried her on the property. However, none of the remains discovered could be identified as Cindy, and the only person who could confirm this was Kurkowski, but his body was one of the many buried on Selinski's land. The case remains open to this day, and no evidence exists to link Selinski. On Halloween night in 2002, 21-year-old University of Minnesota student Chris Jenkins and some of his friends visited a keg party before going to a place called the Lone Tree Bar and Grill. The bar was in downtown Minneapolis, where Chris was attending school. The group arrived around 10.30 p.m., but around an hour and a half later, Chris was removed from the bar by security for reportedly being too drunk, and he was banned from returning. Chris was left out in the cold, it was as low as 20 degrees Fahrenheit that night, 
and he was only wearing his costume, which consisted of Native American attire, and he was without his wallet, cell phone, or keys. From this point, he vanished without a trace. The area around the bar he was kicked out from was not considered safe with a very high crime rate, and it was definitely not an ideal place to be roaming around at night alone and intoxicated. When no word was heard from Chris, his family hired a private investigator who was later told by witnesses that on that same night that Chris went missing, a large group of men attacked a lone person, presumed to be some kind of gang initiation, just across the street from the bar where Chris was last seen. If that wasn't enough concerning news for the family, two scent tracking dogs on separate days picked up Chris's trail on the sidewalk where the attack was alleged to have taken place and followed it to the same spot inside the parking garage next door, where a few drops of blood and a single red feather were found feather that clearly belonged to the costume Chris was wearing. Strangely, that's where the trail ended. Chris wasn't found until four months later, when his body was found floating in the Mississippi River, a victim of what was originally believed to be either a suicide or an accidental drowning. But further investigation caused the medical examiner to change the official cause of death from accidental drowning to homicide. This one was sent to me back in 2015. In 2007, a 12-year-old boy named Bradley was trick-or-treating with a group of friends in Colorado. The boys who were with Bradley early on in the night said that they were just going along with their trick-or-treating when one of the boys picked up on the fact that Bradley was missing. They retraced their steps in an attempt to find him and disturbingly found his cowboy hat sitting by the curb. Bradley was dressed in a homemade cowboy costume that day. A little ways up the road, Bradley's bag of candy was found as well, spilled out onto the street, almost leaving a trail. That was the last of Bradley's possessions that were found by the boys that night. It's unknown how Bradley disappeared without anyone noticing, but the most likely explanation would have to be that Bradley at some point wandered off on his own, leaving him vulnerable to predators on their favorite night of the year. But the only thing that may take away some credibility of that possibility would be the fact that a week later, Bradley's mother found his glasses in the backyard. The strange part was that Bradley's friends all said he was wearing glasses the last time they saw him, indicating he may have went back home in between the period that he went missing. No information was followed up with since. David Stone was a successful stock market analyst, making good money and a stable career, described by friends and family as a bright, sharp young man. However, a few days before Halloween of 1988, he left his home during a Halloween party when a heated argument with a party guest turned violent. This was strange because anyone close to him would say he's the least violent person they knew. A few people reported seeing David sitting next to his car on a highway, until he apparently set off on foot into the desert. He was spotted by witnesses several times that day, including a farmer who found him wandering around on his property severely underdressed for the cold weather. He was apparently muttering something about being in search of the beast before vanishing for good. He was last seen on Halloween day. His car was found on November 5th off the same highway. Search teams headed north from the location of the car and found two pyramids made out of rocks and surrounded by a triangle, with David's Rolex lying next to one of them. Three miles further north, they found a Fibonacci sequence, which is a number pattern used in stock analysis, etched into the soil. Bloodhounds were able to track David's scent along the highway 13 miles north from where his car was abandoned, but the trail went cold. His family found a riddle-like note inside his vehicle that read, They think the word is in the safe. Six Knives in Rob's Room. Use Buy Your Tea and Use Take Your Chances Halloween. Use Buy Your Teas and Take Your Chances is a play on an old saying about stocks and gambling. And in the New Age movement, having six knives in your house would mean a regretful yet necessary rite of passage. 
Two hikers found David Stone's remains in the desert in 1992, four years after he went missing. Despite having no idea what caused his erratic behavior or how and why he died, there was no sign of any foul play. In 1981, a Manhattan couple named Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Platzman were murdered in their Greenwich Village apartment in the late hours of the night. The two were brutally beaten before being shot in the head, and the apartment was completely ransacked. Sisman, the boyfriend, was allegedly involved in drugs, so it was initially thought that that may have been a possible motive for the killings. However, the case took a bizarre turn when a prison informant claimed that one of his fellow inmates had somehow predicted the crimes weeks before it actually happened. That inmate was the son of Sam Killer, David Berkowitz, an American serial killer who pleaded guilty to eight shootings that began in New York in 1976. There's even speculation that Berkowitz was involved with a satanic cult and didn't commit all those murders on his own. According to the informant, Berkowitz told him that his alleged cult was planning to break into an apartment in Greenwich Village on Halloween night and perform a ritual murder by shooting a couple in the head before ransacking the place to remove incriminating evidence. This description matched exactly what went down in their apartment. When questioned, Berkowitz claimed that Ronald Sisman possessed snuff footage of one of the Son of Sam shootings and was planning to hand it over to the authorities to avoid some drug charges. But to this day, no evidence was found to support Berkowitz's claims. Therefore, no one knows if the murders of Ronald and Elizabeth had anything to do with the Son of Sam case. It was Halloween night of 1996 when 40-year-old Veronica Safransky of Argyle, Minnesota went missing. Veronica attended a Halloween costume party with a friend at Mix Bar and Grill in Warren, Minnesota a few nights before Halloween. Veronica's friend was unable to locate her inside the bar around midnight. However, witnesses told authorities that Veronica was seen with a man named Kevin Skirvin leaving the bar together. They left the venue in his black pickup truck with Oregon license plates. This was the last moment Veronica was seen. She was reported as a missing person later the next day, and later that year, a belt believed to be part of her costume was found along a country road not far away. An extensive search of the area didn't yield any evidence as to where she could be. Kevin Skirvin, the man she was seen leaving the bar with, had a history of sexual assault convictions, and he admitted to departing Mixed Bar and Grill with Veronica, but claimed that he did not know what happened to her afterwards. He had never been charged in connection with her disappearance. Authorities have said that there are many wooded areas in Marshall County where Veronica's remains could be easily concealed. In fact, at the start of each hunting season, the sheriff asks local hunters to be on the lookout when traversing the wooded lands, as her body has still yet to be located. Her case remains unsolved. On Halloween in 1955, Marilyn DeMond took her two-year-old son Stephen and seven-month-old daughter Pamela to a bakery in East Meadow, New York. While she was inside the bakery, Marilyn irresponsibly left Stephen and his sister who was inside a carriage to wait outside the front. When she left the bakery ten minutes later, she was mortified to discover that both Stephen and the carriage were gone. Shortly thereafter, the carriage with Pamela still inside was discovered about a block and a half away. However, Stephen was nowhere to be found. He has not been seen since. In many cases where infants are abducted, it's theorized that the perpetrator wanted a child of their own and decided to raise the missing infant under a new name. Over the years, DNA testing has been utilized in an attempt to determine if Stephen DeMond was ever given a new identity. At one point, investigators noticed that Stephen bore a resemblance to the infamous Boy in the Box, an unidentified child who was found murdered inside a cardboard box in Philadelphia in 1957. 
However, after DNA testing, all indications were that the boy in the box was not Stephen DeMond. In 2009, a Michigan man named John Barnes came forward, believing he might be Stephen, but some DNA testing also ruled this out. It's possible that an adult Stephen DeMond might be living another life somewhere under a different identity, unaware that he was once taken from his real family. It may also be a possibility that Stephen was murdered long ago, and his body was never found. Either way, his current whereabouts, dead or alive, continue to remain unknown, and at this point, will probably never be known.